Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand insight strategies and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about why the numbers are not always right or helpful, which feels a bit uncomfortable to say because my professional life has been all about the numbers. Uh, And so as an accountant and financial advisor, it kind of pains me to say that the numbers aren't always right. Because numbers are factual, they're provable, they're logic, and that sort of robustness gives me a lot of confidence. You know, you can use mathematical proof to demonstrate certain investment strategies and methodologies work. So to say the number's not always right, I guess compromises that to a certain degree. Now, anyone that's been listening to my podcast or any of my books uh, for any length of time would know that I'm a strong, strong believer in only adopting evidence-based investment methodologies. So that is only adopt a methodology or only invest in evidence where there's overwhelming historic evidence that that approach will generate the investment returns that you desire. If there's no evidence, to me that feels too risky and you may as well be throwing darts at a dartboard, uh, which is what most people are doing out there in terms of investing. They're trying to get a bit tricky, pick the next market, pick the next asset class, pick the, the, the best stock, particularly in this environment. Um, uh, there's, it's been well documented and I've spoken about it before the amount of new sort of retail investors coming into the market. Now, it's sexy, and if it, uh, if it, if it works, you look like a superstar, uh, except that there's overwhelming evidence that such an approach doesn't work uh, or that has such a low probability of working, you can almost sort of throw in your money away. Now, of course, with evidence-based strategies, we typically look to math to verify the evidence. So therefore, I appreciate what I'm about to say. To some extent, might be seemed, uh, at least initially, as contradictory, but as we get into it, hopefully it makes sense. Um, It's very important for you to understand data, particularly property data. There's a lot out there, and because of the uniqueness of the property market and the different drivers going on within that market, um, two sets of data, two sets of data, aren't necessarily comparable, and you can manipulate data to tell the story that you want to tell. So, when it comes to data, you need to be a little bit skeptical, and you need, really need to understand it. And I think my, uh, median suburb data is a really good example of my point. You know, sometimes I see advisors or journalists uh, reporting, for example, the median house price growth rate in this in X suburb, you know, is being fantastic or they build a, an investment case of why you should be investing in that suburb based on that median or all the, the data relating to that particular suburb. But before drawing any conclusions, it's really important to understand uh, whether that data is actually statistically significant. Is it reliable? Is is the data set large enough um, to uh, water down the chance that it's been um, uh, due to random luck rather than actual fundamentals within that um, within that location? So you want to look at the number of sales, the type of sales, um, what's been happening in that location as well. Whether there's if it's a new build area, whether there've been more land releases. 
Um, if it's a smaller suburb, have there been any major developments, uh, particularly for apartments, for example? It can skew it can skew apartment growth in the suburb. Has the suburb uh, gentrified? Has it sort of changed a little? You know, particularly for say a new build area. Um, initially, that's normally just a couple of paddocks with a few houses in the middle. Um, but over time, you know, they build a supermarket, a doctor's surgery, these sorts of amenities, um, which uh, creates a lot of growth initially. But once the um, suburb is sort of matured, that growth tends to level out. So you want to understand um, where the, the distribution of returns have occurred. You know, if you look at a, a new build suburb, the first five years and the growth rate is 10%, that might look like a, a great investment proposition, but often it's not, and you've got to then go back to sort of the fundamentals and so forth. Um, equally, property-specific his, historic data can also be equally unreliable. Uh, that's not to say that it's not always reliable, but I, I guess the point is you, if you dive too deep into the data and that's all you're looking at, it will entice you to make a mistake. So when we go back and have a look at past sales of a particular property, we really need to um, make a um, subjective assessment of whether those past sales were indicative of the intrinsic value of that property at that time. So sometimes there's sales between related parties, inheritances, um, uh, transactions in very buoyant markets. You know, it's possible that uh, the, the previous owner well overpaid for the property um, and then that mistake um, uh, adversely impacts the implied growth rate, but it actually might be a fantastic asset. It's just that person overpaid initially. Um, has there been any capital improvements made during the period? Obviously, that's going to change the value of the asset. Uh, as a once-off only and as an investor, it doesn't really speak to the change in underlying land value of that particular asset. So all those things are just examples that um, can impact the growth rate or the implied capital growth rate of a particular asset when you're having a look at it. Um, and not every sale perfectly reflects intrinsic value, and so that's why care must be taken uh, when looking at these sorts of things. So data, when we look at data, whether it's uh, by a particular suburb, a geographical location, um, or a particular property, uh, sometimes the data is wrong or unreliable, and if you just rely on the data alone, uh, you, end, you can end up making a very, very costly mistake. So either investing in the wrong asset or the wrong area, um, and, that's, uh, and in the long run, uh, that's going to have a, a large opportunity cost associated with it. And so this is where the art comes into it. So I think uh, property is part science and part art. Um, the art bit is the um, local area knowledge, the understanding of what's driving the market. Um, uh, it's uh, and and the livability and that you know two houses that sit by, side by side may not be identical. In fact, may not even be comparable uh, for various reasons, which you won't see on a spreadsheet. Um, and so what you want to do is um, tap into that knowledge of experience in a particular geographical location. And, that, and the benefit of that is it provides a context for the data, a context for, to look through that data and then understand its relevance 
uh, in the application that you, you're, you're considering using it. Uh, look, a good example is I live in a suburb called East Melbourne in Melbourne. Uh, for Victorians, we'll, we'll know it quite well, very close to the city. It is a relatively small suburb, uh, geographically-wise, uh, and there's been two major developments, uh, property developments, of um, significant number of apartments in each of these developments that have occurred um, and have settled um, uh, in terms of the the owners have paid for these properties they've completed uh, in the last, uh, I would say, 12 months, 12 to 18 months. Now, if I go and have a look at apartment data for the suburb of East Melbourne, absolutely it's going to be skewed. Now, it, and it won't necessarily be representative of how apartments have behaved over the last couple of years in East Melbourne because that most of the data, most of the sales of apartments will be these newer style apartments. Uh, and so it's something to, now they all face the park or not all of them, some of them in the in a building, for example, if they have facing Fitzroy Gardens, which is a, a beautiful park, uh, if they have that aspect, they're um, obviously going to command a premium. Um, if they're at the back of the block, you know, overlooking com- uh, commercial use property, for example, you're going to get a different price paid for that asset. And so if we just lump all apartment sales together, we don't distinguish between those things. And that's a really, really important thing to do. You know, there's a psychologist called Dan O'Reilly. Um, and actually, you can look him up. I've got uh, the links in the show notes. Uh, he's done a, quite a number of TED Talks, not only interesting, but actually uh, very entertaining as well. Uh, in any case, he tells a tale um, to demonstrate the value of experience. And it goes something like this. There was a industrialist who had a, a production line that always broke down, costing him millions per day. He finally tracked down the expert, um, and that expert takes out a screwdriver, turns one screw, and then uh, the, the factory just cranks back to life, and uh, the expert presents him a bill with 10, 000, uh, for £10,000. Affronted, the factory owner demands an itemised version of the bill, and the expert was happy to oblige. Um, and he wrote down uh, for turning a screw one pound for knowing which screw to turn nine thousand nine hundred and ninety nine and it 's a really good tale to demonstrate that hey, just because it only took me one second to understand or provide you the answer uh, doesn 't mes- necessarily mean it 's worth one second of my time that um, uh, experts, particularly property experts in in certain that if they 're an expert in a certain geographical location have been you know, crafting and honing their knowledge for uh, often a couple of decades. And, um, and they've learned, they've seen other people's mistakes, they've made mistakes themselves, they've witnessed um, uh, uh, changes in markets and so forth. Uh, and so because investing in property often requires several hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, sometimes millions of dollars, you know, getting it wrong can be really, really costly. And you can lose not only money, but also, most importantly, opportunity. And really engaging an expert with several years or maybe decades of experience, with, without a doubt, if it's a trustworthy and professional person, uh, will dramatically reduce your risk of making a mistake. And it's for this reason that I believe that if you're going to engage a buyer's agent, and really that's where you're going to get the art element, you can sit down and do all the numbers yourself. Um, As I say, it's only going to get you part of the way. You really need someone that's going to bring that 
that local area market expertise. And so if you're going to engage a buyer's agent, make sure they're an expert in their geographical market. You know, some buyer's agents and property advisors and so forth will suggest that they buy property all over Australia. Now, I could go to Perth and I'm pretty sure I'll be able to work it out relatively well uh, about which is the good suburbs, which is the quiet streets. You know, the fundamentals of property don't really change whether you're applying them in Melbourne or Perth or Sydney or Brisbane. However, what I'm missing is that local area knowledge. And will I make a mistake? Well, I think I've got enough experience where the make, the risk of making a mistake is low, but not low enough to make me feel comfortable. And so why wouldn't you then go and pay for someone that's going to be a local area expert? And that's why I, I disbelieve that um, what, what they call borderless investing, which is really sending a buyer's agent out so you know, I can go and hire a buyer's agent thinking that Perth's a great market to buy in at the moment um, and then send them out, fly them out to Perth and get them to buy some property for my clients. Not that I do that, um, but I could if I wanted to, to build a business like that. I just don't believe um, it's going to get you all the way, that there's still too much unknown and risk. And it's just unnecessary because there's some great buyer's agents in Perth if you really need them and hunt them out and so forth. Um just as an aside to this, so, so really in closing, uh, property is part art, part science. And um, there's some businesses out there that are too data-driven in my, in my view. Uh, and there's a lot of information out there in the internet, um, which is great, but it can seduce people into this false sense of confidence uh, that all they need to do is look at the data. And the data will tell the full story and that they can, um, uh, they can use that to implement their strategy. Unlike the share market, where I think that, uh, that there's a, you can confidently rely on the data to a much larger extent because the uniqueness and subjectivity of related to property, that is not the case. So there's two, I mean, it's very different for this asset class uh, that you really need that part science uh, and then part art. Uh, just as an aside, I wanted to mention, um, uh, quite often when we review property, uh, the performance of our client's property, it can be a difficult thing to do from year to year. So again, and this is really relating to um, data versus, you know, on the ground knowledge. Um, uh, so ov- obviously it makes sense to review the performance of all your investments on an annual basis. Um, and that makes good sense. And that's a prudent thing to do. And I'm not suggesting you shouldn't do it. However, that is quite difficult to do sometimes uh, when it comes to property because if your property has um, lost 10% in value or um, held its value, you're not, not delivered you any growth, uh, either of those two scenarios don't necessarily mean you've got a dud asset. So, um, and even if the market has held value and your property has lost value, there could be something quite unique going on in that area that is a once-off um, that has created that sort of situation. So uh, I would say you need to review your property and property performance, but also you need to be really careful about it and really take, a, I guess, a smoothed view. So looking at the returns over the last five years, what you need to do is have a look at in context of the market, the geographical market that property resides in, and then have a look at the growth in context of similar assets surrounding that property. And as an overall perspective, you need to get some um, input from people on the ground to sort of, and they might say, look, intrinsically, your property hasn't changed in value, but it has all the fundamentals. 
And that's really what you need to hear because property uh, doesn't property returns aren't on an even basis, aren't on a straight line basis. Uh, returns will be um, inherently unpredictable and spasmodic, uh, and but that's not to say that you should uh, you know close your eyes and cross your fingers and hope for the best for the next ten years. You still need to review review assets, but you need that part art, part science element to it. It's not just about looking at the numbers. Uh, so there you go. That's all I wanted to uh, talk to you about this week. And until next week, bye for now. Thanks a lot.